Hi, this is Sylvia, and this is Out Loud at Gizmo, a saying my dad made up. This is a storytelling podcast where you will experience excitement and laughter and mind-blowing adventures. Today, I'm going to do something different. I have compiled what I like to call shenanigans of my dad and interesting stories that I've plucked out of all of the chapters so far. Chapters one through six, actually. I'm including chapter six in this and kind of make it a little montage. And it's going to be one story right after another. I hope you enjoy it. Chapter 1. Mr. Moore had a pen full of hogs close to our house and I would throw things over the fence for them to eat, under the watchful eye of Mama. I'm sure. I remember cold weather coming and Mr. Moore, Uncle Charlie and Papa started killing hogs. Mama wouldn't let me go and watch them, but I would slip over to the window and watch. I saw Papa shoot the hogs, and the other two would jump over the fence and stick the hogs with a knife. It made me cry. I couldn't understand why they would kill the pigs we had been watching grow up. Lunday Papa was plowing in the garden with a garden plow, and one old mule called Toby. I was walking alongside punching the old mule with a stick. Papa said, you better quit it, she'll kick you in a minute. But she didn't wait a minute, it kicked me in the belly, and it took them a few minutes to get me breathing again. I don't know what happened to the stick, but that's okay, I didn't need it anymore anyway. Sometimes I would walk to Grandpa's house. That was a pretty good task for a five-year-old walking across a wooded pasture with cows in it. One day when I was going home, there was a bunch of cows grazing in my trail, so I ran to a fallen tree with lots of limbs and dead leaves. That's where I had to hide. I had a hame with me that had buckles and rings on it. A hame is what goes around a horse's neck to pull with. By this time cows were all around me, so I stood it as long as I could and I ran out of my hiding place shaking the hame with the rings rattling in me hollering. Them cows took off across the pasture like they had seen a ghost. I went home and told Mama what I had done. She said, I wish you wouldn't go over there by yourself. I know I worried her a lot, but I felt like I had conquered the world. One day we were playing where Guy was digging post holes. I dropped a ball in one of the holes. I couldn't reach it, so I thought if I stand in the hole, I might be able to reach it. Instead of putting my foot in first, I put my knee in first. That's right, I got stuck. The harder I tried to get out, the worse I got stuck. William ran and told Guy. He tried to get me out, the way I got in, but couldn't, so he got a shovel and dug me out. Well, that ended my playing for that day. We had a dog that had a litter of pups. One night Mama was crying, that she was hurting so bad from her breasts being swollen from too much milk, because Inez could not drink it all. Well, here comes the horror story. Papa took a little puppy and let it suck the milk out of Mama's breasts. The swelling went down, and Mama quit hurting. Papa had a remedy for just about everything. We had a horse with a colic. He took a 50-cent piece and rubbed the horse's gums with it until they bled. That was supposed to cure the colic. I guess it did. The horse didn't die. Chapter 2 Early Spring 1924 We came to the White River. It had a large bridge with overhead steel frame and a sign that said, Automobiles Only. But Papa couldn't read very good. 
So he drove the team up on the bridge, and he noticed it had big holes in the center with narrow walkways on each side. Mama told Papa what the sign said. So Papa got out of the wagon and got in front of the horses, and told us to get out of the wagon and off the bridge. He made the horses back up until they were free of the bridge. Then we all got in, and forded the river. The water was up to the bed, and the horses were almost swimming. I guess that was the most frightening thing that happened to us on the trip so far. Papa started plowing the land with a turn and plow. I kept after Papa to let me plow. One day he did. He put the lines around my waist and hands on the plow handles and told me to hold it straight and tight. Well, I did. Until the plow hit a root of a bush and threw me four or five feet out in the plowed ground. That ended my plowing. I was seven years old. I remember one day I was splitting wood for the stove with a hatchet, and I split my finger open. Mama got some soot out of the stovepipe and filled the cut with it and wrapped it up. Just another country remedy I guess because it worked very well. I still have the scar to prove it. Us kids in the neighborhood would choose sides and have war games, throwing corn cobs at one another at Davis's barnyard. I could throw a corn cob real straight. I could also throw a rock pretty straight. One day I was playing in the road, throwing rocks, when Barney Ward, the truant officer who lived up the road a ways, came down the road in his Model T Ford. One of my rocks caught the middle of his windshield. I always wanted to be a baseball pitcher, but somehow that stopped me from throwing and sitting down too for a while. If you know what I mean, that windshield cost Papa $3. The reason I remember that so well is Papa tattooed it on my brain. I still go to the Lone Star School. I have a hard time fitting in at school because the kids make fun of my name and call me Picket Fence and Crockett for Davy Crockett. And they would call me Patches because I had patches on my pants. But I told Mama I didn't want to go to school anymore unless I got some new britches, so she told Papa not to make me go to school. I don't know how long I was out of school, but one day Barney Ward, the truant officer, came out and asked Papa, why isn't the boy in school? And Papa said, because he doesn't have clothes fit to wear. Mr. Ward said, they want you to get that boy back in school. Papa said, I want you to get out of here and don't come back here. He took Papa at his word and left. Well, I finally got some new clothes and went back to school. One night we went to the store. While William and Henry were buying groceries, I stayed outside, where some more kids were. It was the same kids that William and Henry had told to leave me alone. But I guess they had forgotten about it. One of them hit me in the belly as hard as he could, and ran. I stayed doubled up for a while. Then I went in the store. Mama said, Where have you been? I said, Outside. I didn't tell her I was learning how to breathe again. Chapter 3. Papa told Grandpa that if he would hire someone with a truck to come after us, he would pay for it. So, Grandpa hired Oliver Parks, from Tom, who had a 1923 Model T flatbed truck, with high sideboards. No cab, just a seat on the gas tank. Oh boy, was I happy to get to ride in a truck. Mama and the girls got inside, and I got on top of the truck, 
Papa, Grandpa and Mr. Parks rode in the driver's seat. We had car trouble and flat tires. I never knew you had trouble with trucks. I thought you only had trouble with horses and wagons. Because when our wagon wheels and rims got loose, we would stop our wagon in the creek and take a bucket and pour water over them until they would swell up and get tight. This time, I was seeing something new. It's the first time I ever saw anybody take a tire off, take the tube out, and patch it, put it back on, and go again. With me on top of the truck. Oh boy. Them fence posts were really going by fast. Mr. Park said we were going 25 miles an hour. I remember one day at school, William and me saw some girls go in the outhouse. We broke off a tree limb. We took the limb, stuck it up under the back of the outhouse, and shook it. The leaves on it sounded like a rattlesnake. Oh boy, you talk about screaming. It sounded like Elvis Presley being on stage at a girls' convention. We took off down a hill and came back to school from a different direction. The teacher and a bunch of the bigger kids were looking around in the bushes. We ran to where they were and asked, What are you looking for? And they said, A snake. We started helping them look, but never did find one. Chapter 4 One day at school, we heard two gunshots. And the teacher said, It is breaking the law for someone to shoot a gun so close to a school. Then, someone came to the door and told the teacher, Don't let the kids out for a while. There has been a murder-suicide across the road. Mr. Byers shot his wife and himself. They let school out for a few days. I'm sorry about the deaths, but glad about no school. I remember William and me would swipe snuff from Grandma and hide it under their house, which was about 18 inches off the ground. I will never forget the first dip of snuff I took. It made me so sick, I said I would never do it again. But I did. George and Bessie would have dances at their house. The next morning, William and I would go over to their house and we would find two long already rolled cigarette butts that the rich people from Idaho <laughs> threw out and tried to smoke them. One day, Papa was cutting wood in the front yard when Roy Lee Baker and Barney Henthorne came by, and they were drunk. Roy Lee started calling Papa names. He started toward them with the axe in his hand. Then he stopped and threw the axe down and started after them. Barney said, Burley, don't let him bother you. I will take care of him. And he took him to George's house and put him to bed. The next morning, Papa talked to him. He said he didn't remember it. Chapter 5 Grandma and Grandpa's place had five rooms and an outhouse with two holes. It had a big farm and a pecan orchard, 25 acres. And we had only a three-room house with a one-holer outhouse. Oh well, you don't need company in one of those kind of places, anyway. One day we had a swarm of bees on a tree limb behind our house. Papa put a mosquito net over his hat and head. Then he went out and put them in a box until he could build a hive. The next day, when he was moving them from the box to the hive, they got under the netting. I think he forgot what kind of a knot he tied, but he finally got it off. And he had lumps on top of lumps all over his face, but that didn't stop him. 
He made him another netting and went back and finished the job. Chapter 6 Papa planted a big cotton crop. When it came time to hoe, everyone big enough had to hoe. William and I were still pulling pranks. We would hoe real fast and get way ahead of the rest, then cut great big weeds and set them out in grandma's row. Then she would raise the hoe up about four feet, come down real hard, and cut that weed and pull it up. I think she knew what we were doing from the start. Anyway, she said you boys keep this up, and I am going to tell Burley and grandpa to work you over. Well, that's all it took to stop us. Aunt Pearl, Papa's oldest sister, lived on Norwood Creek about three miles from us. Us bigger kids would go over to Norwood Creek and find a deep hole. None of us knew how to swim, so we would take syrup buckets and tie them together and make floats out of them. Then we'd float in the muddy water and fight the snakes off with sticks. Then, sometimes some of us would go to the end of Clear Lake where a sawmill had logs floating. We would take a gig and walk out on the logs and gig for fish in between them. At night we would go along the banks with a flashlight and gig bullfrogs. Come to think of it, I don't think we had flashlights, we had lanterns. One time, Grandpa let me go with him to the gin, and one of the mules didn't want to move. He sat on the ground and balked. We thought we would have to put in another mule, but Grandpa said, wait a minute. So he took a handful of shucks, put them under the mule's tail, and struck a match to it. The shucks blazed up, and the old mule got up in a hurry. After that, all you had to do was strike a match, and the mule was ready to go. Just another one of Grandpa's remedies. I remember, old man Gray came one day in his one-horse buggy. I guess he came after his share of the cotton and pecan money. When he got ready to leave, he said, Burley, I got a job for you. I want you to bring a cow down to my house. Well, that night I was expecting to see a big fancy house, but to my surprise, he had a two-room shack. With one bed, we all three had to sleep on the bed, and I had to lay in the middle. I had Papa on one side, Mr. Gray on the other, and both were snoring. It sounded like two sawmills in action, but it was a good thing, because I was a bad wetter since day one. With the consistency of Old Faithful, I laid there forcing myself to stay awake, with their help. I was just now thinking of a story Grandpa told about himself. He said there were 17 boys in his family, and they had to sleep three to the bed, with him in the middle. They had an outhouse, with a foot of snow on the ground, and Grandpa had a nature pain, if you know what I mean. He tried to wake his brothers up, but they kept on sleeping. He didn't want to mess up the bed, so he did the next best thing. He unbuttoned the trap door in older brother's long johns and relieved himself, and then went back to sleep. His brother got up the next morning, got him some clean long johns, and went to the outhouse. His brother never mentioned it. Well back to my story. Finally, I couldn't wait any longer, so I elbowed Papa until he woke up so I could go to the toilet. It so happened Mr. Gray had one in the house. If he hadn't, I might have thought more about Grandpa's story. All's well that ends well. Well, that was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, I enjoyed putting this together. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I have some different little things in mind, so be looking forward to some little change-ups here and there from time to time in future episodes. Please come back. 
to hear all of the many different stories of my dad's life. Each chapter and episode will take you on adventures as he grows up. And don't forget to press subscribe or follow so you can come back and listen to the real life stories. Because I want you to be able to envision his world through your ears. And goodness gracious, out loud a gizmo, you're in for a wonderful adventure. Bye-bye now. This podcast was hosted by Sylvia Gant. Thanks to my dad, Dave Pickett, for writing the stories. A special thanks to Uncle Bill Pickett for the piano music. Thank you.